I think if there's one common thread now in this kind of third phase of, you know, running a, a design studio with, with, with a bunch of overhead and, and still want to create good work, it's, you know, is that person that's knocking on the door really having fun? Or is, is this their heart and soul going into this? Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Creative Pep Talk helps you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, andyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. So recently I got to visit the gorgeous city of Philadelphia, had some Philly cheesesteak for the first time. It was glorious. And I had the pleasure of sitting down with the heads of the Heads of State studio, Jason and Dustin, and had a really good time chatting. I uh, love these guys' work. Their studio makes gorgeous work and they, if you don't know, they came up in the the heyday, the golden age of gig posters um, in the early 2000s and they were a big part of that scene. I was majorly inspired by that scene. It's probably why I became a designer, illustrator, uh, and it was really cool to talk about that. But 
Really, what I was really curious about was how did the heads of state stay ahead of the curve and and stay relevant by transitioning from band poster people to illustrators to now a full expanded design studio. And I just, I, I was desperately curious about how does one um, make all those big transitions and, and do it with while still surviving and then ultimately thriving and expanding into a full-on studio. And so you're going to get a lot of tips about uh, how to do that, how to navigate those waters, and also hear a little bit about what it looks like to grow your business. And I just want to say thanks to Jason and Dustin for taking their time out to do this. This was a fantastic interview, um, and I had a really, really good time. They also hooked me up with some sweet pastries, uh, <laughs> which were really tasty. Uh, so thanks, guys. Thanks for being on the show. It means a lot. And just a little heads up, there's a little adult language here if you're listening with kids. Here we go. First thing I want to do is just kind of briefly talk about the path to how you got to being a studio and just talk about the individual phases of what led you to being like a a full-on studio. We've had many lives. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, even back to, because uh, you guys have done, went through the band poster phase when that was kind of in its heyday, and then into illustration, and now your design studio. How did that all kind of evolve? We actually went to art school together in, man, 2000. No, not 2000. Two th- well, yeah, I mean, we were in school in 2000. We weren't in school in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we went to Tyler School of Art here in Philly, and um, it was a real small program. Like, it was only 30 kids, uh, 30 or 40 kids in the major. So you kind of really became pretty tight with everybody. Yeah. Uh, just because you're in the studio till two in the, two in the morning. So we kind of knew each other pretty well, uh, and, and we're into the same music, um, things like that. And... Uh, well, then we graduated in September. Uh, it was like 2001, May, we graduated, and then September 11th happened, and there Jeez. was just like no design jobs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, like, I remember taking my portfolio to New York. We, we were real, we were like not super tight friends, but as you said, like going through the rigors of the program, we became really tight. And then that summer after graduation, we were like the only two people hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like our apartment building or whatever. I feel like whenever there's major disasters or political unrest or whatever i feel like the first thing to freeze up is the creative industries because they're like wait should we be making art like, oh is yeah it, totally. like probably should we spend, spend money, money on, on this right. yeah 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 totally, yeah, totally true. And, and before that when you know your senior year the, the economy was going gangbusters and we were just like oh this is going to be amazing we're we're getting slotted right in to just have this yeah. amazing trajectory we, and we, it did feel like we were sort of coached to have these expectations of what a yeah. graphic designer at like the turn of the century Mm. Like a Y2K graphic designer, like would drive a Porsche yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, that's. Crazy. It was like a real thing, yeah. and then it just was. It was obviously not that, and um, but we took jobs. We took like design jobs in Philly, separately, and um, which were good, solid design jobs. There was no knock on the jobs we had. It was just like our expectations were a little higher than 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 what had happened. But um, there was a sense of like, okay, now like cool. 
awesome. We're, we're grateful. Yeah. But like now what? Yeah. Kind of a thing. I think with a lot of like the stories that, that you hear from different folks, whether it's designers or scientists or whatever, the next part was just hustle. You know, we would do our nine to five job and then we're just feeling a little bit unfulfilled. And we were going to shows every, you know, you know, two or three times a week. Yeah, just basement socially, shows just like or, go see bands play. Um, and we had started seeing, you know, in the design annuals, like the year before, aesthetic apparatus uh, would popped up or patent pending out in Seattle. Um, and I don't know that we were really influenced by their, their well, we were certainly influenced by their style, but we were more influenced by like, wow, they're, they're doing posters for, for bands. That's, yeah. Nobody's doing that here. That sounds like something that we could do. Um, well, and like meanwhile, too, I think once we saw like, what was happening in the Midwest or in the Northwest, our professors, who were, like, we worked really close with, have this sort of different history of poster making that sort of goes back into like 70s posters yeah. and like a lot of academic posters. Mm. Really like awesome stuff. Uh, like our professor Joe has like a couple of posters in the MoMA. That was just really constant for us to be around like their flat files. Yeah. And I think putting the two together in some, some way uh, like a theater poster or like a school poster with like a gig poster or a flyer. There was some weird overlap already happening, I think, in our education. And it just took like seeing how motivated other studios were in other cities right. to be involved directly with like the musicians in their community. So you're getting into the poster scene. You started doing your own posters for the shows in Philly. Yes, yeah, so we approached a couple of the like the real small little folks that were putting on you know indie rock shows and just said you know is there any chance that we could just do a show? We'll give you 50 posters. We'll figure out how to get them printed. Um, and we were off to the races. I think the first poster we did was Dillinger Escape Plan. And we did one for Pinback and Karate. You know, it felt like we were doing like one a week, and we were. You know, just, I mean, this is 2001, 2002. There's, there's internet, but it wasn't really happening yet. And we were in Jason's uh, I still, little apartment. I still remember it, like, when you, you set up our first website. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> with, like, it had, like, it, like, dream. I think it had, like, it had, like, ten posters on it. Right, yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And it was, like, super nice, but, like, yeah. I still remember that. How did you make that website? Dude, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, Dreamweaver or something. Weird. It had to have been something. It had to. Have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just Dreamweaver or. Yeah, I want to go back and say no. It was it was Squarespace, but there's no way. I don't know. It was like the I don't know what like the Squarespace of 15 years ago yeah. was. But Angel Fire it was sometime. not Angel Fire. Come on, <laughs> go live. Uh, yeah, go live. Uh, that's funny. So you you were doing these posters, and then that slowly started to take off. You ended up being kind of one of the prominent poster makers um, in that scene, it seems like. Yeah, and we were kind of just doing this, again, it's still after work, um, you know, from 7 to 1 in the morning, huddled around one computer. And at the time, I think we thought we were making money doing it. Like, people would like, oh, we'll give you 100 bucks. You're like, oh, my God, $100, that's amazing. <laughs> right. And then it turned into 500 and you're like, oh, my like, God. Can we charge 500 bucks for a hoodie? Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember like the first time I got paid 500 bucks for a drawing and you're like, I'm going to be rich. Yeah. This is like, it's, yeah, it's a game <laughs> over. Like, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. You know, as we got bigger, different folks were coming at us. Some of them were big bands that we really loved, Wilco and Modest Mouse and R.E.M. Yeah. And then you'd get the phone call from, um, I don't know, uh, 
We talked like about Jefferson the, Airplane or yeah, something, which is cool. Right, Their yeah. back catalog's awesome, but this was... Right. It was too, it clearly became like a merchandise. Like commodified and, and all kinds of... Yeah. 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 Um, we got a couple of weird calls. Dave Matthews, which is like fine, though, in some ways. Like, it might not have been our thing, but as a client, they have a, he has a totally intense you know fan base or whatever yeah. and he wants to sell merch directly to them and like we get it it was just 25 year old Dustin and Jason we're not gonna do a Dave Matthews band poster but we should yeah. have done the Elton John yeah we should, what's Elton, that one well we, we don't know we said no. We've, no we were too good for Elton John I don't <laughs> know what we were thinking <laughs> too cool no for, one's too, too good cool for, for Elton John, John. yeah man but that yeah. would have been actually pretty cool and then you're like 37 listening to Goodbye, Yellowbrick Road. And you're like, why didn't I do that <laughs> poster? Oh, we missed the opportunity. That's hilarious. But, like, I think, you know, it does dial into that idea that we were 25 years old and we weren't necessarily doing it for the money. Um, so, you know, if, if you just think about the economics of running a design studio, any business, yeah, we should have taken on anybody who, who knocked on the door, especially somebody like yeah. Dave Matthews who had a big, uh, big budget. I'm sure, sure has even bigger budgets now. But when we were doing it then, it was, it was really to make art that we felt like we were putting our heart into and I think at a certain point we just kind of stepped back and said you know we just did another five posters and I'm not really like the band's okay but like I don't know what I was trying to say with that bear that we put on the poster it just seemed like we were starting throwing stuff at the wall and just putting a band name on it yeah um, which just started to feel disingenuous to us and to the band yeah you start getting more precise like the early days like the throwing the spaghetti against the wall doing everything trying a bunch of stuff and then eventually you're like I think actually to be sustainable we need to step back and make more precise decisions it's not that we didn't love the the medium because we we do and we certainly did love the music but I don't I don't think like us collaborating and making posters together was about being poster artists or was about being screen printers or printmakers it was like let's do something together in addition to this like nine to five job because we just wanted to work together and do more. So I think that that has actually is probably what's been good for us to jump through different phases because that's the motivation, not like a particular discipline or a particular genre. I think that that is a great point and I wanna kind of shift gears and talk about how things changed. Uh, I have one other question about that season first. Um, before I ask that though I think that I just want to say I love that idea of like drilling down into the core why of what's beneath this collaboration and why you're doing it and I feel like so many people get hung up on the veneer or the exterior or the what of it whether it's posters or illustration or whatever and they get so romantic about yeah but we're poster guys and you know and that ends up sinking the ship because you can't get on with you know what you're really all about and what's really special about what you guys are doing we Um, are um, it's been really awesome to like see ourselves become different people over the years and still have like similar things that drew us to one another in the first place and things that are different now but the absolutely one thing we 100% have in common is how restless we are yeah and how like never satisfied we are That that cuts both ways, right? Like that can really like wear oh, you, wear yeah, you totally. down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But um, that I think is part of like the the, the fire and the and yeah. the yeah. And I think that restlessness is that at every transition period that we've had, and we've had a couple. That restlessness is almost one hundred percent why it happened. So yeah. you're restless with not being able, you know, okay, we've just 
we feel like we're a poster factory now. We're just cranking this stuff out, and it doesn't feel genuine anymore. So we, we jumped to illustration. Um, and I think the same kind of thing happened with illustration. We got a little bit, like, I think in that illustration industry, I know in that illustration industry, if you're going to make it, you're really cranking, especially with an editorial. True. You're taking, yeah. you know, three or four jobs a week. And um, it's always fun, and I think, but it does get restless. It's just like, oh, four jobs a week, you're going to start recycling, not, only, not ideas, but it's just going to, again, feel like a factory where you're just producing this one look. Yeah. Um, I think some of it was sur- like just surviving too sure. a little bit. I think that that's something that I don't hear people talk about enough. I think that it's really great to um, like have your moment in the sun and, and do a lot of your marketing with that momentum. But uh, you know, talk to me in 10 years or talk to me in you know, 15 years and, and you're still doing it. Um, for us, I think illustration was... So like that poster thing kind of gave us some momentum from college into yeah. 2000. Six, two thousand seven, whatever. Yeah, and and then again, like we talked about September eleventh before we graduated. Then the the economy collapsed in two thousand eight. Was like another like I saw design studios closing up all over the place. Little shops, they'd have one big client. That client would go away. Forget it. Yeah. For us, I think in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, it was like a choice of um, if if this is going to be like our full time thing. What is going to make more money, and what is going to be satisfying conceptually? what's going to be satisfying in the final product. And illustration sort of became, like I think we were moving that way and we had an interest in it, mm-hmm. but it also was a way to just like stay in business and it was survive. a way to just survive. You were know? you picking up on the atmosphere was changing with band posters? Yeah, and, t- like everything yeah. he was saying, yeah, uh, totally. Not only you know with our feelings toward it, but it was becoming a saturated, just ridiculously yeah. saturated. And I get it, I think if we were going to school or seeing what was going on at the time, that's yeah, we want to make some posters for a band, absolutely. So yeah. there's no hard feelings or no, not knock on anybody who's doing that stuff, but you're in the middle of it and there was there was 20 people at one point doing it and then all of a sudden you turn around and there's like 200 people doing it and there's three or four posters for every show. Yeah, We were really cognizant of, like, yeah. this is... Not, I mean, it's like I, I feel like it was like a little bit of survival, like, this is, this is not yeah. something that we can sustain if we actually want to be you know, recognized designers. Um, So I think, you know, I think we were looking for a way to get out of that for sure. And what, and at that time, were there conversations between you, like early conversations where like, do you think it's getting saturated? And then, you know, like, what do those conversations actually look like? Because- I don't think it was that conscious, but there were, kind of felt it. Well, you would just, like, I, the way that you um, just have more like organic conversation day to day with somebody, yeah. you're just like, did you see this? Or did you see, it? like, it, we felt it sort of changing and building. And, and I think that restlessness kicks in. Um, I think we always wanted to, I remember at some point somebody, well, it's, all, it's great when like art directors see you doing something and then trust that you could do something else. That's Which like, is rare, that's, but it it's, It happen. is so rare, yes. and like, it shouldn't be as rare as it is, right? Because, but, but I get it. They're, they're under the gun, and they need to rely on something they've seen you do before, right? And they risk their job if they choose to- totally. you to do something you haven't done. Yeah. But I would, I would imagine like just about anybody has like those three or four early memories of an art director like taking a chance on you to do. So I remember somebody hired us to do a book cover really early on. We were still doing posters. We were still doing some illustration. I think it, once we started to get a taste for that kind of stuff, for like editorial illustration, 
publishing, mm -hmm. um, a band poster would become merch, which would become a logo. Yeah. And we would start to kind of see that there, you know, that what we were surrounding ourselves with the last couple of years was a lot of tunnel vision and that there was more we wanted to do. Um, so it wasn't like, can you believe what's happening? It was more like, oh, maybe we should look over there too and maybe we should diversify this. Well, I also don't think it was as, as a natural of a change as it might seem like from the outside to go mm. for us to go from it, looking at our body of work from the outside, I'd say, oh, that makes sense. These guys made a conscious decision to go yeah. from posters to illustration, yeah. duh. Um, we, have, we have, she's turned into a really close friend, but I had been working at a book publisher and hired a local illustrator, uh, illustrator Gina Triplett, um, to do a, a cover for me. Um, and she had heard about us. Um, and she's like, oh, you're, you're, that, you're those guys that do those posters. You guys are awesome. Your illustrations are amazing. You should talk to my illustration rep. And me and Jason were just like, whoa, 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 I don't, illustration, what are you talking yeah, about? We, this is we, graphic design. We have we're a design not, school yeah. background, like to hear somebody calling our posters illustration. Was a leap already. Oh, yeah, huge. certainly, right, right, yeah. right. If you would have said, hey, your designs are really minimal and we really like your, yeah. your small type, <laughs> yeah. we would have said, great. But like, calling an illustration yeah. is very shocking. So, yeah, that's funny. I, I love that because I feel like, you know, great ideas or, you know, uh, big breakthroughs or whatever after the fact often seem obvious. Oh, yeah. But, but, but while you're living it and living the creativity of connecting these two seemingly contradictory things, it feels like you're really being scrappy and tr you know, trying different things. Yeah, there was no master plan to start. No, no, or no. Let's translate this into New York Times illustrations. We did not, we did not see that. Like, yes. I'd love, to, I'd love to sit here and tell you we did, but it was, yeah. there was a wall where we yeah, were totally. designers and we were making posters. Uh, we were not illustrators. So how did that so wall we were, break down? She, uh, Gina hooked us up with um, her illustration rep, Frank Sturgis, who's I know uh, Frank. He's yeah. right outside of Columbus. Yep. Um, and it was, we just got on really easy with him and signed up and, you know, I don't, I don't think there was, it was weird because I don't think there was really any expectation. I think we were a little naive and I think that folks who had studied for five years or four years to be illustrators we're like, oh my God, you got, you got an illustration rep? We're like, right. yeah, what's the big deal? We're gonna do an illustration, see if it works. Yeah. Um, so it, it was one of those moments where you just get in, get the right hookup. Um, I don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into. I remember doing those first couple of illustrations and like trying to change our style because this is illustration, we gotta use paint. Right. And we were like throwing watercolor in there and stuff that we had just no business doing. Yeah, I know exactly and, what you mean. Yeah. And, and Frank was like, that, that's cool, but like, yeah. you, that's not, this what you is not why these yeah. guys hired you, you gotta right. turn right. it down. So it became actually like this weird, the early ones that we did, whether it was a magazine commission or a newspaper thing, we would almost sort of like make a poster. Yeah. And then like the last step, you're like taking the type away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is amazing. And I love these perspective tricks that you have to play in yourself. Totally. Because I, Cause otherwise, I, like he said, we were going to, we were going to start doing like scratch boards or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, right? like, <laughs> like this is the New York times. What does right. it look like? I, that happened to me a million times, especially the first couple of editorial jobs I would do. You, instead of thinking, all right, what should, what would I do? What do I do? And, and do it. You think, what would a real editorial illustrator do? And then you just go down this path yeah. of being somebody else instead of doing your thing. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, and so do you feel like illustration happened to you or did you make it happen? Like, was that kind of an organic thing or do you feel like it took a lot of like steering the ship? It felt really, 
I didn't mean to jump on you, but yeah, it felt dude. really organic. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. The, there was those first couple months where we Can't didn't steer know. That ship. Yeah, that's it's a big step to, to ship to steer. Yes. Did that those first couple months where we again weren't sure what we were supposed to be doing and really not familiar with the timelines or the or or anything. Yeah. Um, once we kind of like, oh, okay, this is what you want. It. it it was a real natural flow. Yeah, and it seems like with the studio that that was something that takes more, you know, you happening to it rather than it happening yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, as we sit at this table now, we've moved into a, a new studio. We got um, four people working for us. And I think that um, despite all these things that we layered on top of each other and, and can be a little, almost experts at illustration, design, and, and those things. I think the, the design and the actual image making and, and creativity is, is really easy. And now it is literally a lot of sitting here, steering the ship um, on a daily basis, figuring out how, you know, how do you manage this thing? Where does it go next week? How big do you want it to get? Do we want to be six? Do we want to be two? Do we want to be one? Do we want to be 17? Yeah. What projects, um, what projects are, are good to, to take a risk on? What could, bigger projects are going to move in with you like a, like, like a good or a bad roommate for, yeah, for a couple right. of months, yeah, right? Yeah, that's good. And while you're doing that, what aren't you doing? All these sort of uh, crazy decisions that well, we have to make Well, and then you go back to these decisions and conversations that 10 years ago... Um, would have been a no-brainer. Okay, we got here. We've got these five illustration jobs. Yes, we're going to take them all. You sit at the table now, and it's a struggle to to suggest that you're going to take one of them because we have so so much bigger, so many bigger clients. But I think at the heart of it, and, and we'll go back and forth sometimes. You know, for a couple months, I'll really want to do illustration or Jason yeah. or some of the other guys. I get the, we never want to lose that. And it's 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 a big steering the ship and struggle to just like okay, let's can we be half and half or seventy five twenty five, um, and then the posters come back in and like, if you get a music client. There's always like, yeah. how do we keep the heart of it and still grow, still maintain, and and, and be different? Um, it's a it's it's interesting. Do you feel like there's a, a, a recipe or an approach for making those big decisions? Like, do you guys, how do you make these decisions of, I'm sure that it's, you know, messy and whatever, but um, as you're thinking about hiring people, as you're thinking about what kind of studio you want to be, how do you, is there a process for making those decisions? There is definitely... A process. <laughs> what does that What does that look like these days? There is uh, a round of civil conversation. There's a round of uncivil conversation. Yeah, it dips back like into marriage. civil. There are we, charts and graphs. There are. Yeah. Um, and then it usually comes down to let's get the fuck out of here. Let's <laughs> let's go for a walk and yeah. talk this thing over. Yeah. Uh, and and you know what? They're not always the right decisions, and that's that's sort of that's life. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean. I mean, ideally you know, the stuff would have a certain like energy to it or momentum or just be exciting. And you try to like, let that make the decision in a lot of ways. But, you know, we're six people, we're eight if both interns are here, we've got health insurance and retirement and overhead. And so money is absolutely a factor. Yeah. Um, and yes, juggling all that with trying to do your best work and be passionate about it and grow your portfolio. And is it does it tell some other story in, in, in your marketing or whatever? 
Yes. Sometimes that you just a have lot to, more plates. Sometimes you just have to get, go outside and get some air and like yeah. <laughs> not kill each other. Not kill each other. Well, yeah. you know, we went to design school. We didn't go to business or management school. So you, I think if you look from uh, an analytical side about here's all the data points, that means you should not take this job. Right. Cool. Yeah, we're taking that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some of our yeah. be- some of our best experiences, maybe not most sound business, but. You could argue that over time it becomes really sound business decision right. to take a risk on something and to answer the call from from a, a, an idiosyncratic person with a really interesting product who doesn't have yeah. a lot of money and it becomes a, a, a feature, a benchmark thing that you've done in your process or your portfolio or whatever, you know. There's a lot more uh, value on the table than just money. Like. What we, Sometimes, yeah. Exactly. And what we do try to come back to always is the pe- like looking at the people involved, looking at the, the quality of the product or the, the message of it or whatever, and is it exciting? And is, it, is there something else there? If we can say yes to that and still keep the lights on and still you know, give our employees health insurance, then like... And it sounds like win-win. you're saying that you know, as you've gone along and, and gotten more experience making these calls, that your matrix is basically... Is there an internal excitement where we're like, yeah, this is something we want to do and we can justify it financially? Yeah. Totally. I think it's an internal excitement, but also, you know, feeling that excitement from the client. Um, I think if there's one common thread now in this kind of third phase of, you know, running a, a design studio with, with, with a bunch of overhead and, and still want to create good work, it's, you know, is that person that's knocking on the door really having fun? Is, is this their heart and soul going into this? And that means that it could be the baker down the street, but it could also be somebody who's doing something for, for you know, a giant university. Just because it's a big project doesn't mean that it's cold. Um, but we've, you know, as I sit here just thinking about the projects, we've done a really good job, I think, of not having that giant client that we're really not gonna show the work of. Yeah. Uh, it's been really tough. Um, I don't know if it's been the right decision. We might be driving Porsches now if we had one or two of those clients, but... Someday we're gonna get that Porsche. But <laughs> that they promised you in like print magazine in the 90s. 1999. Yeah. But, does it, but does it feel good? Yes. Um, you know, Philly's got a lot of pharma and a lot of education. There's some, probably some really great pharma clients. We've got some pretty cool illustration, uh, um, education clients, but... Um, but yeah, we've resisted sort of hitching our, hitching our wagon to like that one client that's yeah. going to just like sort of dominate you and and you know there's make or break you like yeah and like Dusty's saying there's plus and minuses to that um, so it sounds like you said and I think this is really good that when you're dis- this decision making process looks like are you guys excited about it is the value proposition right whether that's money or if it's going to be great for your portfolio or whatever and then also even further than that the third thing on the other side is is the client hot for the project and yeah. passionate and it's going to be yeah passion on both sides yeah yeah i mean there's a downfall to that decision making process though too that you know you keep saying yes to these things and we've seen it we it's it's a big struggle for us is yeah we got to take we we're almost still have not managed to drag ourselves out of that startup or you know scarcity mindset mindset yeah. and and in some ways i think that's really good in some ways, as you know, as the business grows, that's got to change a little bit. Like, yeah, we're going to take that job on, and we'll have uh, Woody, our, our our art director, come in and say, "Guys, like, we're just, we're we're yeah, you we guys got to you guys got to take yeah. it easy yeah. here." And right. and it's funny because we 
sat down about eight years ago, maybe six years ago, and said, listen, we've both been in jobs where we're, we're having to pull 18-hour days, and it's killing us, it's killing our, our home lives, and we don't want to run that, that kind of studio. I think for the most part, we've really done a really good job at it. I think, you know, it's, it's really a, a nine-to-five kind of day here with one or two times a month where you got to push it, but, um, you know... We, I think if there's one thing we need to learn, it's, it's, it's how to say no a little bit more and just realize that we're a thriving design studio and somebody's going to come through that door tomorrow even if we say yes, so say no to the, the piece today. Yeah, um, I think there's a level of, there's a point where it's so hard that, that what got you here won't get you to the next level. So you go through that process of like saying yes to everything, knowing that you could have months that are cold and then... Uh, at some point, you have to start moving into some level of faith that you've built momentum. You're you're a legitimate studio, or you're gonna your schedule is just gonna be insane. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge for uh, as designers running a bigger studio? Like, what's the thing for you guys, even individually, that you're like, man, this thing is like makes you question whether it's worth it like you know the things that are just like uh this part's really hard for me it's that 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 inevitable transition from active designer image maker creator to uh more of a passive creative director manager uh situation and you know with six people it's it's a real odd uh nexus right now where we're still doing creative and I think that's just our, I think we're always going to be having our hand in that. We're doing art direction, but then the studio is not quite big enough to have um, folks picking up some of the other things that, that a manager needs to be in charge of. So billing and, and things like that. We certainly have, you know, a bookkeeper and, and, and some other support staff that come in part time. But, you know, I think at a six person studio level, we're juggling a ton of hats. Yeah. And that yeah. is a. Uh, None of them are, are things that I wouldn't want to do. In fact, I, lo- I love that challenge of like, here you go, you're going to be, you're going to have to come up with a, a system to, to track the files now. That's fun. That might be yeah. a, a nice break from, from yeah. making images, but juggling them all at one time is the, like, right. sucks. This yeah. last year we decided that we were like so tired of um, like proposal speak right. and like contract language and stuff and that we yeah. were going to completely redo our proposals and our agreements to just be like totally pro and like legalese, but yeah. but way more us, right? One of the more satisfying things I've done in the last year was that. And that sounds like almost right? a, uh, a branding decision too. Absolutely, so a creative decision. Absolutely, that, right? And that it's a creative business decision. And you get to a yeah. point where you realize that that's not just like writing. That's how your business comes across. And what do you? seem like when you're the proposal that's against other proposals and those kinds of things. Never would I have thought that would have been like a satisfying thing. But having the energy to do that and then having the energy to go to being the creative director and then having the energy to go being the writer and then the illustrator is the juggling that Dusty says is... Uh, can be exhausting. It can really wear you down. Yeah. yeah. I love that though. You both kind of spoke to as this thing has evolved. Um, what what's kept it interesting is the challenge and that now the challenges are different than when you're making posters or doing illustration all the time and that you've leveled up to more like a, a complex system of challenges that uh yeah has kept it interesting well uh, i think that idea of, of switching what we need to be as always like it's 
I've always, I think we've both always seen that like, even, even when we were really having fun and doing great work when we were 25 or, or, or 30, like we always kind of knew like at some point that like there's going to be somebody younger than us and we can either hire them or they're going to put us out of business. Right. Um, so that's always been in the back of my mind and I think it's always like stand one step ahead uh, is really important whether that means trying to be more creative or, or switching what your, your art looks like or on the flip side hiring somebody who's going to be able to do that, that good stuff and supplement what we do and, and inspire us. Yeah. Um, I always remember um, in college um, it was like freshman year design studio came in showed us their work oh this stuff's great amazing three years later that same studio came in and showed the stuff again it was the exact same work You're like oh this is this is pretty good and then i was back like lecturing or something we were back yeah a couple of years after graduation you get and, invited yeah. back you go back in and they were yeah. showing the same work same clients you're like oh that's that's weird and then uh, we were teaching and they came back to do it again and that was like yeah, that cannot be the heads of state. We, we've, two people, three people cannot sustain, I mean, maybe certainly two or three people could sustain that creativity. I don't think that happens too often, so you gotta know that part of your, your we had to know that part of us kind of growing up was not being the, the super vital designers that are like a 25 year old is, yeah. is gonna be. And embracing that and being cool with it. And, yeah. and finding the 25 year old who's gonna be really, really cool. Uh, we're lucky that we teach because we've got like, a pipeline to some really great designers not only great aesthetics but great work ethic because we've yeah. we've ran into a ton that you know can design their asses off but don't want to put the extra work in and that doesn't doesn't work you guys have done a better job than most at making those key transitions staying ahead of the curve all of that is really hard to navigate and stay ahead of. Do you guys have any tips or advice or anything about how to, I don't know, stay ahead of that or notice when there's time to leap or... Just live in fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. yeah, okay, that's really probably true. Yeah. I think it's more true than it should be or more true than people want to admit, but I definitely think it's a factor. Mm. It just is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, the trick being is like, afraid to be those people that came in with the same portfolio over and over, being afraid that you're not going to get jobs. If like, you come yeah. into work with that that fear every day, like it's definitely not the, the you know, we're not crying, <laughs> but you know, if it's in the back of your head, like okay, I gotta on at least a couple of these projects, we gotta try to push it, whether the client wants to take it or not. We're gonna we're gonna show you a direction that's not what we're actually known for. You might be coming to us for this. But we're gonna throw this at you. And if you take yeah. it, take it. If not, at we've least actually try. always done that. Yeah, which I think is really helpful. And we we try to like tell our students that too, and that can be really hard for them to embrace because they have such tunnel vision on the problem at hand. But because of that restlessness and because of that fear, if we were doing so many posters and we were worried about relevancy or worried about even just our own energy toward it or their own quality, if we got a book cover assignment, chances are that art director wanted something uh, replicated. Yeah. Right? Right. But we would, so we would do that and then we would try to throw in that one or that two that it's like, here's a photo treatment or here's all type or here's something that's just completely not what you're asking for and trying to uh, convince them of that. And I actually think that when you do that, your, your batting average is, is all right with that 
because I think it it it's a surprise to that art director. It's like a totally it's not at all what they were expecting. Yeah, um, and then you have that one versus the three that are similar, and it, it can't help but stand out. And so, if you try to hedge your bets that way in your in your career or in your focus, I think you end up on the good side of it. And and um, but you asked about like the motivation for that, and I think fear, I think relevancy, I think um, um, boredom, boredom, yeah, boredom, totally. really, totally, like yeah. is a big one. And I think that. All of that's really interesting because I think there's a lot of, you know, I, I consider myself to to be a positive person, someone who's trying to stay hopeful about things, and I think that to a degree that can be helpful. Uh, and I think maybe fear is like the worst way of branding what that is, even though I think there's definitely legitimate fear. Yeah. It's also like a lack of complacency and a competitive spirit. Sure. And yeah, staying oh, yeah. ahead. Yeah. I think that competitive spirit is, is huge. We don't, I don't, I think we do a good job of not really wearing it on our shoulder or on our, sleeves. where would we wear that? We put on our sleeves. <laughs> Carry it on our back, wear it on yeah. our sleeves. <laughs> we're, we're pretty good of not like playing those cards. Like I don't think that if you met us, you'd think that we were super competitive, but um yeah, that definitely has a huge, huge part of it. Uh, if you don't care, that that work's not going to get any better. So how do you, you have to like have that that competitiveness and that fear, but you still have to like not go crazy and leave work at a reasonable hour and be a decent human being and enjoy every sandwich and uh, like you have to like that's the real trick too is like keeping that competitiveness going and not have it. Take over. It sounds very, sound very new agey, but that's that's what happens. <laughs> and actually, the pullout quote is going to be, what was it? Enjoy that. Enjoy every sandwich. Enjoy every sandwich. That's, so I actually stole that. Okay. Right. So, I was like, yeah, what is that? I can't take that's. Um, <laughs> this is kind of kind of morose, but that's that's a Warren Zevon quote. Okay. I don't know. Who that okay, is. so Warren Zevon, '70s singer songwriter. You definitely know him. You know him because right. of um, Werewolf, Werewolf in London. London. Yeah, song. I love that okay. song. Right. Yeah. He's got. Plenty of other fantastic, right. like, okay. troubadour songs, right? Yeah. He uh, famously resisted medical care for years, just, like, never went to the doctor. We had a doctor phobia. Right. Which he later admitted was probably a tactical error. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of his best friends, right. and I think drinking buddies, was a guy named David Letterman. Yeah. And so when Warren Zevon got terminal cancer and he went on The Late Show, David said to him, do you have any last words? And Warren said, enjoy every sandwich. Oh there you go. <laughs> good it's advice. A, it's a good, good quote to steal. That is a good quote to steal. Uh, and you worked it in so fluidly. Well, right? Is that like a big part of your core values as bull- a person? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bullshit and honesty bullshit together and at the same time. Yeah, right? that's like, good. Take, like not taking credit for anything you don't deserve. You know? That's hilarious. Yeah. What are you looking for? You know, I think especially for people starting out, they need to think about how to position themselves when they're in interviews and what they're supposed to be doing in their portfolio. What are they, um, yeah, what kind of things they need to cultivate? Can you lay out type? Because if you can do that, you can make anything look good. If your type looks like trash, the rest of it's going to look like trash too. Um, and I think that second thing is we're a small studio. I would actually say that your portfolio, though it needs to be good, is, is less of a factor than just your ability to to uh, to sit in the studio here and, and be cool, yeah. um, and that doesn't mean you have to listen to whatever music we're listening to. Uh, it just it's just like a certain you know a certain vibe, not too intense, but um, 
good work ethic. And it's a strange one. I think that's why we end up going back and hiring students uh, a number of times is because, you know, we've had them for, for a year or two. We know that they uh, can take critique and, and they're, they're fun or there's a sense of humor or something like that. Well, if I have the chance to be in person, then I want to know how you talk. Yeah. Like, is it conversational? And are you sort of balancing a professionalism with some personality? I think that sometimes you see students, they're just like deer in headlights, and it's like there's like a formula, and it's this official, and I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wouldn't want, like, erring on that side is safe or whatever. But for us, I think when you're interviewing, you're expecting all the work to be great to a certain extent, and yet you're looking deeper for personality or for work ethic or for character. And I look at, I look at writing. If I could get a sense of personality and professionalism within that cover letter or in that email, I'm much more willing to respond. Even if we're not hiring, yeah. if, I, if I can see an email that just looks like a robot wrote it, I'm moving on. Yes. But if there's some personality and some, some understanding, I'm likely to respond. We, we really value writing in the studio. We try to write whenever we can. We want it to be full of personality and just like the way we talk or the way we think. And so I think looking for that. Not every student needs to be a great writer. It's yeah. certainly not the conclusion I want to, to put forth. But, but understanding your, your, your professionalism and your personality and how they have to combine. Why does uh, writing matter to design and what you guys do? It's just another layer of language. Mm-hmm. within within the the visual communication uh, it's another way to be it's another way to be yourself to mm-hmm. include personality so um, not every project requires it but the ones that that can or the ones that do or even just our own like our own attitude on our website I'm sure you you yeah. have your own kind of thing it's just a way to be more yourself and I noticed that on your website uh, you know you guys do a really good job of having several touch points that have clear flavor of your brand identity and, and what you guys are about and who you guys are. Well, I think that, that voice is really important. It's a really saturated industry. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take you yeah. know, 9 out of 10 design studios, it's got the same exact totally. message with and, and we, slightly different versions. And wouldn't you say, like, we totally get it. Like, we get yeah. how people feel like that is sort of a, a definition of professionalism or, okay, we're, we're a studio now. This is what it's supposed to be. Totally get that, but we have never done that, and it's always been good for us. I think that goes to like our our we can do do a pitch too. A pretty good idea of of what the studio down the street's pitch is like, or the, yeah. the big agency's pitch is like. So if there's three people going in to do the same, very buttoned up, ties really tight, uh, everything's really punctuated pitch. Then what are you pitching against? You pinch it in the, the same three things and. Vanilla, French vanilla, and yeah, right. some other vanilla. Yeah. Some other vanilla. So I think you know we kind of try to go in there and be vanilla ourselves bean. a little bit. Yeah, vanilla bean. We try to go into those pitches and and, and be ourselves a little bit, and you know I, I think it endears us a little bit. And at least at the very least, it says if you don't if you don't like how we are, then that that's cool. You don't have to work with us. But we're not. There's not a bullshit show yeah. that we're putting up before you get to meet us. Yeah. So this is this is it. And so we look for that. I think in in our. In our, and uh, hire into our hire, in our staff, yeah. I love this, and this is a thread through everything you guys have said. You know, you talking about working on your business and working on your contracts and your presentations. Uh, again, going back to this idea of figuring out the perfect balance between professional and personal. How can it be legitimately legit, 
and also at the same time clearly have heart uh, and humanity. I feel like lots of teachers talk about, uh, you know, the kid, the students that get it and the students that don't get it, you know, and every teacher has a different definition of what that means. But I feel like as a teacher myself, I, there are these things that I'm trying to pass on uh, to my students to help switch them on to their potential or whatever. Um, do you guys have things that you're, like what is your definition of getting it in terms of like switching the students on to really getting into the work or um, taking it to the next level? Do you guys have things that you're trying to instill in them, core values? My, mine has always been, and we've said it a bunch of times here, mine has always been work ethic. I've had, you know, if you just look at the work, an A-level student who could be the next Paul Cher or whatever, but the work, or, or Sagmeister or whatever, but there is no work ethic and they're, I could tell you right now, they're not gonna get better than they are right now at 21 or whatever. And then there's the C-level or even some times like D-quality student who you can tell has just worked 20 hours overnight on this thing and it might have, have gotten incrementally better, but you can see they have the passion there. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know how you instill the work ethic other than keep telling them like, I can see how hard you worked on this. It's not there yet, but you're, you're getting there. Versus, yeah, this is, this is really good work, but I can tell you only did two hours of it. You have natural talent. You're not doing yourselves any favors by just sitting here and shitting out something on an illustrator for, for five minutes. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And I think it speaks to this idea, of, especially when you're starting out, it's easy to get hung up on how much natural talent do I have? Like, am I gonna, is it possible for me to really be a phenomenal designer or illustrator um, when it really comes down to how much effort are you willing to put into it. Well, yeah, and they're in this, this they're, they're in this culture right now where you know, they're, they got their Instagram followers and they see somebody with 30,000 Instagram followers with, with no context around what those Instagram followers are. And they, I think like, the really good ones that seem to go sour just have this sense of hubris. Like, dude, you're, you're 21, you're in, yeah. you're in college, you haven't done anything. Like one of the most inspiring quotes, I just remember this, I was uh, you know, 14 years old reading Bass Player Magazine and there was, a, there was, an, interview, <laughs> there was an interview with Flea and um, Les Claypool from Primus. Yeah. And they asked Les Claypool, who's the best bass player in the world? And he said, some some kid sitting in sitting in his bedroom playing bass guitar. It's like there is always going to be somebody better, and I think that goes back to why we like you got to hustle to stay ahead. Yeah. So if if C level students hustling and A level students twiddling their thumbs, I'm betting on C to to make a run for it. Man, that's so. I remember yeah. hearing that like in the, like some of the first couple of years I was teaching is that it's it, if you think of the classes like 15, maybe it's not, but let's just symbolically yeah. say. You kind of have five, five, and five. You have your five stars, and you have five that are really not getting it and are struggling, and then you have the sort of five in the middle that you're not sure about. Yeah. And that too often we are judging each other's merits as, as educators on the five stars, and it really should not be that at all. It should be, it should be the on the five others. that are struggling or the, or the five in the middle that aren't sure. Mm. But I, I would be willing to bet that certainly people come out of the gate in that top five thing with a lot of steam. Yeah. But that middle five, there's a lot of surprises there. 
yeah, a lot true. of work ethic, a lot of personality yet to be discovered. Uh, when things click there, they click for a really long time in a really interesting way. I always just think about how, like, uh, I don't know, that a lot of things that are true uh, get said over and over until we, they have no meaning anymore. And I just wonder if there are, like, core values that um, stick with you or led you to yeah. what you guys are doing now. We, we had the, the, we were fortunate that in a couple of our, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, uh, Stefan Sagmeister came and, and spoke to just the, just the, the core group of, of 30 of us. That's um, amazing. When he was, I mean, he was, he's always been great, but when he was still coming up, um, doing album covers and starting to do some of the more you know, innovative stuff, um, and this, you know, slide that I'll remember always, and I think it really formed who we were, is, and I will butcher this, and I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but... I know where you're going with this, and this is sort of interesting. This is like, um, possibly, pro go ahead. Style equals fart, concept equals heart. Um, <laughs> like, that is completely formed, that, that drives everything that we do as graphic designers. Um, and I think it's something, we, we talk about motivation of, of how to stay ahead of the thing. We're not going to lie. Like we know that 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 our poster style started to be a little stale, or you right. saw it all over the place. Um, and I think a little bit started to happen with that illustration uh, style too. Um, but I think was what isn't easily aesthetics are pretty easily uh, replicable. Yeah. But adding that concept in there and, and knowing right. that there's a, right. there's a right. basis of, of heart and, and concept and it's not just all pretty stuff. I was wondering how you were going to talk your way out of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is the basis of what we do. And I, and I think to any young designer, like whatever style you're working in now, I, I, and we were guilty as shit uh, of this. That style is going to get old, whether it's tomorrow or in three years, you have to be cognizant of needing to branch out and do right. something different. And that doesn't mean, mean you needed to, to take a complete left-hand turn. Maybe you start adding X in and then in two years, it, it, it morphs and changes. Kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've yeah. asked about writing or you've asked about other interests. And I think for us, like, while we are certainly not the most style agnostic firm, yeah. we actually fully embrace it. But there has to be that other level or that other thing. So, um, yes. I would say uh, this is sort of a platitude that is always true. Yeah. That it's about it's about the work. Yeah. Like that's right. like we just have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Especially as the business you decisions get, get bigger. Management and all yeah, that. Yeah, any Asia, rabbit hole you want to go down. Yeah. Business management, marketing, social media, whatever. I still think at the end of the day, like the best thing you can do is just do your best work. That's awesome. That's super good. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks, thanks for coming up. Thank you. Thank you, Jason and Dustin, for taking all this time out and sitting with me and just letting me pick your brain on all these topics. Uh, tons of awesome insight, and this was uh, a great memory. I'm really glad that I got to hang out with you a little bit while I was in Philly. Hopefully, we can actually hang out and not necessarily make everything on the record next time. Uh, if you are a 
big fan of visual art of any kind, do yourself a favor. Go follow them on Instagram at the Heads of State, and you can go check out their website too, the Heads of State. But you will be glad that you added their beautiful work to your Instagram feed. Uh, it will definitely be sure to inspire you. Guys, thank you so much. It really means a lot for uh, all of my audience, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. You can hear their stuff at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Thanks to Alex Sugg for making this thing sound shiny and fresh. Thank you, Alex. It means so much to, uh, to have you on the team. All right. Without further ado, guys, I've said without further ado a lot this episode, I think. <laughs> But uh, you know what to do. Until next time, stay pepped up.